0: The In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Podcast. Please like the podcast Podcast. and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? Get ready for takeoff.
1: Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is a psychologist, therapist and author. American Forst Rigiero. Hi Forst, welcome to my podcast series. How are you?
0: I'm well, Agile. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Thank you very much for joining me. So where do you live at the moment?
0: I'm in the United States, in the eastern part of the state of Pennsylvania. And how long have you lived there? I've been here most of my life. You know, outside of going to college and those sorts of things, uh, this is where I've—I uh, uh, was born in this area, and I uh, stayed here, and I've been working here that long.
1: Well, you're a qualified psychologist. So, where did you study, and what qualifications did you obtain?
0: I have uh, my ma- my graduate degree from Illinois State University. Uh, that's way back in 1979. Since then, I've done certification, I've done abuse training, I've been certified in addictions and a number of things. Uh, so it's it's been a long road. A lot of diversified settings I've worked in got me to this point.
1: And how did you become interested in your field of work?
0: You know, I think this, for some of us, Nigel, I think we're born into it. I was the guy that, you know, the little kid in school that people would come and talk to, you know, I mean, I just was always there. I think the, the trait that I have that really works so well is that I'm, I'm a really a good listener, right? slow people down i ask questions i'm engaged with them so they know that i'm listening to them and uh it was such a natural fit by the time i was a oh, two or a sophomore in, in high school I, I pretty much knew psychology was where i would go and uh and that's exactly what i did and i haven't regretted it. it's just been a wonderful uh, wonderful profession and a wonderful life
1: so how long have you been counseling clients
0: I came out of graduate school in '79. I started to work with deaf children, and I was I worked with geriatrics. I went uh, into uh abuse centers and uh, addiction centers. I worked in a prison, and uh, those that was for the first ten years. And for the last 32, I've been in private practice.
1: So, do you specialize in any particular area?
0: I do a lot of couples work. I do a lot of abuse work that came out of the jail. You know, you know when we when we were counseling in the jail, there was so much of the perpetrators we were doing so I got that part down but I've done a lot of work with particularly abused women abused children I really like that population uh, to work with them a lot couples counseling addictions I've done for years um, and then just your typical thing uh, people that commit depression anxiety things like that
1: well I understand you developed the process way of life program what inspired you to create that program and what does it involve
0: as far as what inspired me is, it's just being in practice, and uh, you know, you start working with all the various components you're taught with, uh, and then you start seeing what works and what doesn't work, and you see things repeat themselves. And one of the things I kept seeing repeat was that there are these processes that we use every day, things like honesty and and love and uh, and dealing with fear and slowing down life. All these things, I, I noticed that we were everyone had them. Uh, and I was able to I spent a lot of time researching it and came up with 52 of them uh, that we could apply to any problem. I wanted to put a program together that could apply to any problem a person had and, and help them work their way through it. That was the goal by identifying all these processes and applying them to the various things in life, again, like fear and anger uh, and boundaries and people pleasing and, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, I was able to come up with a a really nice program that eventually became the the Fix Yourself Handbook.
1: I also understand you're an author. So what's your book called? And what's it about?
0: The Fix Yourself Handbook is exactly that. It's the process way of life put into a written uh, format. What I wanted to do I wanted to cha- help start changing the way self-help is working. I really have a problem with so many people throwing so much self-help stuff out there and they never really get to what needs to be done. You know, they'll they'll say you must love yourself or let's be more mindful. And they tell you all these different things, but no one ever tells you how to get there. And in counseling, that's what we do. We work with a problem. We get the information and we start working with a plan to get a person through what's going on. So what I do in counseling, I really put into the book, I've got 36 chapters, 36 different problems. We introduce the problem. We get as much information as we can into a three or four page format. So it's very condensed, but they can understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then I give them the exact steps. These are the things you have to do if you want to fix that problem. And you know, people are coming back and saying, finally, someone is saying how, instead of just saying do this and giving us 50 pages in a chapter, and we're going all over the place with it. It's straight to the point, and, and we're able to, to look at the uh, at the steps that we need to take. And it's a nice reference book later on, in case you forget. That's what, another thing I wanted to do. And when was your book published? It was it published in December of 2019.
1: Oh, it's relatively new then.
0: Yep, we're, we're, we're at about uh, 14 months.
1: And how do you believe we can improve our personal relationships? Have you got
0: a top three? The first thing I tell everyone is if you want to have a good relationship with a a person, have a good relationship with yourself. That's always number one. I don't care what program you're using, mine, anyone else's. My program is designed to make a person stronger inside. And my feeling is that everything we have to do that is already inside us. We just stopped using it or the environment chipped away or toxic people took it from us or whatever it may be but we it's all inside there. And I want people to go learn how to use it. so the first thing is have that relationship with yourself in terms of having relationships with other people I say take them one at a time. I can't stress that enough We stereotype people we um uh, we generalize and then we we form these things in our minds and what I'm saying to people is just as you and I are sitting down. It's the first time we've met. We spent some time talking. I think it was a very, very nice time. I know when it's done, I'll have a friend because it's one-on-one. It's just me and you. It's just you and I, and we're just treating each other in the moment. And if you can do that with other people, that's great. And the third step I would say is stop with the expectations. You cannot control what someone else thinks or does. Just let them be who they are if you feel that they're, they can fit into your life, then that's great. And when you do that, you'll decide on what level. Like, are they going to come close? Can you trust them? Or they're just going to be a friend or an acquaintance. That's fine. But the expectations of what we think we need to receive from another person really damage us because when we don't receive them, either we're destroyed or we lie to ourselves and try to tell ourselves we are getting what we want. And that's terrible. So. Trying to drop the expectations and go slow with your relationships. Let them let them take their course.
1: How do you advise people to overcome feelings of fear and anger?
0: Fear and anger, for me, as I've counselled people, come really from two places. One is the, is trauma, and the other are our insecurities. And oftentimes, you know, based on what we've experienced and what we've internalized, we become insecure. And then we're, we we are don't feel we're capable and we start worrying about the future and what's going to happen to us. And the fear comes into the into the picture and we stop realizing just how capable we are. For some of us, uh, men particularly, we turn that fear into anger because we don't want anyone to see that we're afraid. So you want to deal with those past things and get those things settled. Get your traumas to the point where you can understand what, why they're there, how they happened and what they did to you. And then if you've got insecurities, and we all do, go identify those insecurities. There's nothing wrong with that. The route to strength is always through the weakness. It's not around it. It's not putting it aside somewhere. It's taking what we can define as a part of us that maybe needs some work, going right through it, deal with it, and we come out stronger on the other side. We always do.
1: You mentioned guys. The suicide rate for men is significantly higher than it is for women. Why do you think that
0: is? Because we hold everything in. It's interesting because I counsel so many people and you can take a man with this with the the uh, old fashioned stereotypic values, you know, hold it in, be strong, do all that. Or you can take someone who's gay and doesn't even ha- in their mind, doesn't doesn't uh, live by those things. Men still hold things in. And when I counsel gay couples, one of them is always holding so- stuff in, just like when I deal with straight couples. So men have to get to the point that we can feel it's okay to get stuff out, talk about, not just feelings. Something comes up in in a man's life, you know, something at work, whatever, instead of coming home and talking about it and getting a different perspective, we spin it around in our head and we go try to solve it. We take so much in and we don't get it out that we either get into the drugs and the alcohol or we get angry and abuse other people or eventually turn it on ourselves and we we see our, our lives ending. So we really have to be better at just saying, this is me, and, and this is what I'm feeling, and this is what I'm thinking, and it's okay to be that way.
1: Well, there is something I read about called the guy code, which I believe is true, where lots of men will speak about sports, speak about what's happening at work, speak about cars, etc., anything except their emotions because they fear being judged by their peers, by their friends, as not being man enough or not being masculine enough. And I think guys do have to learn to open up more.
0: You're right. Back to what I said before, we have to have that relationship with ourselves before we even get to the point that we fear what the other person's going to think. We have to realize that if we admit weakness, we ourselves are judging ourselves. Mm. And then we say, I'm weaker than I should be. You know, I'm not, I'm not as capable as I should be. So men suck it up, but, but you know, we don't even tell ourselves that we're having a problem with that. We go forward and we don't allow ourselves to believe that. Again, we can be weak. And again, I say we go through the weakness to get to the strength. I don't care what you're fixing. It could be the picnic table in the backyard. There's a weak spot on that. You better you better fix it. It'll be strong when you're done and then you're safe to sit on it. It's just, it's normal physics, if you will.
1: I wanted to ask you a topical question. What do you think the impact has been on the mental health of people due to the COVID worldwide pandemic?
0: What I've been telling people is We are as strong in it as we were going into it. If we ourselves were taking care of ourselves and we felt strong enough inside, that's what we brought into the virus. And then... We didn't react as much, but when we're insecure and we have fear and everything about us is coming from outside rather than strength coming from inside, then it really took its toll and then, and then our emotions took over and we were fearing what we were going to lose and we were having a hard time transitioning into something that really it kept us in our homes uh, more often. It wasn't that we couldn't go out of the house, but we were in our homes more often. We didn't see people as much. We couldn't you can't hug people like you used to those types of things. But people either talk themselves through it or they talk themselves into the fear about it. And it's those conversations we held with ourselves. I know I can't do this. Oh, my God, this is terrible. And then you live that way. And that's in anything. The, the virus included. It's really about how you decided to deal with just like you decide to deal with everything in your life. You get up in the morning and decide how you were going to deal with your day. When we started today, you said to me, oh, well, you look happy. And, I, and my response, well, I think it's the only way to be. That's really what it's all about. It really does come down to some decisions. I am going to be this way, may have work to get there, but I'm going to do that. And the virus is, is one more problem of living, just like everything else that we have.
1: So, of course, what are your plans for the future?
0: Uh, You know, I'm going to keep on counseling. I may tone that down a little bit, but I don't know there'll be a time in my life where I don't want to help people that way. Uh, I'll continue to write. Uh, We're going to do. I'm going to do a sequel uh, on the Fix Yourself Handbook. I have a feeling about people getting better. It's great to get them through their problems, have them uh, understand everything, advocate to them, uh, uh, get them through it to the next level. But what happens, as you know, with with, uh, abused people is that once we get them to the point that it's normal, they don't know how to live there yet. Uh, we get them through the problem and they learn how to get through the problem. But then no one teaches them how to stay there. So the next book, I want to be a sequel, Fix Yourself Handbook 2, if you will. And I want it to be a sequel. Which that we're going to go chapter by chapter and say, OK, this is your new life. Now uh deal with anger this way, at this level, here with fear, with with boundary setting, those types of things, and so that you can keep the gains that you made. So how can people contact you? I have a website, which is my name, FaustRagero.com. That is dedicated solely to the book. Everything about the book, chapter outlines, excerpts, all that kind of information is there. Type in my name or the Fix Yourself Handbook. It brings it. to the website. And then if they want to find the book, it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, the usual retailers.
1: Well, Faust in the USA, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated.
0: Joe, It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another In Conversation podcast coming soon.